بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد In the last gathering we had we began to discuss the definition of what Sufism and Tasawwuf is all about to try to get to a clearer and a purer understanding of it because of the corruption that generally seen the corruption that is generally seen to be associated with with Tasawwuf so the conclusion of what we had last week after the definition was that one of the most effective means of cleansing the heart, purifying the heart and uh, reaching close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was the dhikr of La ilaha illallah. But then the secret of that was that you have to do the La ilaha illallah with particular adab and etiquette. That's what, it will, that's what will make it effective. So today we're going to look at the adab that he suggests, the etiquette that he suggests that when a person is doing dhikr, especially of la ilaha illallah or any other dhikr for that matter, then what are the etiquette that they should be following? The way uh, Imam Dardir uh, separates this out is that he has prerequisite etiquettes, the adab that precede that action. Then those etiquette that you need to keep with you when you're in the midst of your dhikr and then when a person completes the dhikr then you don't just walk away you don't run away there's actually certain adab to observe to get the best out of the dhikr afterwards as well so if a person observes these three states and obviously it will take a, a while to build them up you don't get these each day i mean there's a number of adab that have to be observed and with anything, when you're trying to do etiquette of something, for example, let's just say that we eat in a particular way. We, you know, when we say eating, we're talking about when we're eating, we're talking about what we eat, we're talking about how we eat, we're talking about where we eat, we're talking about uh, how we sit and eat, uh, where do we start from, what part of the plate do we take from, when, what then do we take later on, how much do we eat. Can you, can you see how many different things there is? Uh, just associated to eating now if somebody if we read a list of the adab of eating it's going to be difficult to observe all of them at once right but you try and then you build on it so eventually after some practice you expect that our eating should become according to the sunnah way likewise when it comes to the dhikr there's a way to do that just taking the name of Allah arbitrarily here and there is not going to be the same and it's not going to be as effective as if we observe the etiquette. Now some of these etiquette may be from the Quran and Sunnah directly, while others are based on experience or based on just general decorum of how our state should be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You'll be able to pick them out. There'll be some things that are purely based on experience that they are effective in trying to get the most out of your dhikr. So keep all of that in mind. So firstly, he says, <coughs> Al-Adab Al-Qabliyyah. These are the adab that precede the dhikr, the etiquette that we need to observe and set us ourselves up for before we start the dhikr. Number one, 
He says, أَنْ يُجَدِّدَ التَّوْبَةَ مِمَّا وَقَعَ فِيهِ مِنَ الْمُخَالَفَاتِ Firstly, renew your tawbah. Because the first valley of tasawwuf, the first stage of tasawwuf is tawbah, because we want to shed the sins of the past. Then we can start proceeding. There's, nobody, there's no point when you're on a journey, even people when they're taking a long, long journey, and they've got all of this stuff that's uh, stacked up in their boots or in, you know, in their car, they're going to think, okay, let me check the tire pressure, let me clean the car out, let me take out the excess stuff. There's no point carrying all this along with me all over the place. So we don't want to carry sins with us when we're trying to uh, gain the barakah and mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says that first revive the tawbah of anything that we may have done in opposition to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. Awil khawatir al-radiyah, even if you haven't done a sin, just bad thoughts that may have come across into the mind. So make tawbah. Tawbah means repentance. Say, oh Allah, I want, I'm returning to you. Number two, which is just like salat, to purify oneself from both external filth, so there's nothing dirty on our clothing or on our body, right? It doesn't look dirty. It could be basically just stains. We want to avoid them. So that's just normal filth. And we also want to be in a state of wudu. So we don't want to be internally unclean and impure as well. So we have ghusl wudu and we also physically clean as well. Because cleanliness is half of faith. And a lot of that is to do with attracting the mercy and barakah and blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And shunning the shay- shayateen because that's why we read the dua when you go in the toilet. That will Allah give us protection from the male and female devils. We're just going to open up ourselves to a lot more barakah and blessing if we're pure. وَأَنْ يَتَوَجَّهِ لَلَّهِ تَعَالَى بِرَغْبَةٍ لِيَحْصُلْ لَهُ الْجَمْعِيَّةُ فِي الذِّكْرِ Then the dhikr needs to be such that you try to concentrate all of your focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because that's who we're remembering. So we don't want to make it just words, words that we're emitting from our mouth. We want to have our heart connected as well. So if the words can correspond with the state of the heart that is also directed at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that's going to be of great benefit. So to focus entirely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with such a desire, such a longing, so that it can give you more concentration and focus in your remembrance. Uh, the next one, number four, is وَأَنْ يَسْتَغْفِرَ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى بِمَا تَيَسَّرُ Do a number of istighfar, seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first one we talked about was tawbah. Tawbah is returning to Allah, to have this focus that I'm cutting away from everything, I am remorseful about anything that I've done, I want to be back with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, based on any wrongs that we may have done, we're going back to Allah. Istighfar is to seek forgiveness. So to seek forgiveness as much as possible, sit and do a bit of istighfar. The reason is that when we seek forgiveness, then that removes the baggage. And you can do istighfar with any wording that you want. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, Rabbi min kulli dhambi wa atubu ilayh. You can do it in another language. Oh Allah, forgive me. Oh Allah, forgive me. Oh Allah, forgive me. So at least, you know, several times you do istighfar before you start. Likewise, as much as you can, send a few blessings on the Prophet 
Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. The reason is that Allah's attention, right? You get Allah's attention when you start sending blessings on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sending blessings on Rasulullah when you read Duru Sharif is essentially making a dua to Allah to give him blessings. Give the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa blessings and peace. That's a dua. Allah always accepts that dua. So when Allah starts to accept a dua, then we'd expect that every other thing that we do then is also going to be accepted. And then, just like in Salat, You face the Qibla. As best as possible, try to face the Qibla. Of course, if you're in a flight or you're sitting down somewhere and you can't face the Qibla, then that's fine. That's there. But when you can, to do the optimal dhikr, then face the Qibla. So face in the direction of Salat. Now this one, we better understand it properly, otherwise somebody's going to say this is shirk. Right? And this is what maybe some people uh, mistake and misunderstand, that's why. It says, the other thing is to keep in mind as though your, your shaykh is present. Because generally, most of your dhikr you're probably going to do alone. If you can keep in mind that your shaykh is watching you, you're going to be at your best behavior. Now, he could have said that you should have this in mind that Allah is watching you, which is the opt optimal. But unfortunately for a lot of people, that's a lot more difficult than to think that their shaykh is watching them. Because the shaykh is a perceptible individual, it's somebody you know. And here we're talking about people who don't know Allah yet. So keep in mind as though your shaykh is watching you so that he can be a companion in this journey with you. Now this makes it very clear that you're not praying to your shaykh. You're not doing dhikr of your shaykh. You're just keeping him in mind so that you're just at your best behavior. That he's watching me. I mean... Imam Ghazali says this, that if you're going to make Salat, for example, then just imagine if there's a very honorable, noble, dignified elder from your family who's going to be watching you, how would you make your Salat? Of course, if you can think of Allah like that, then that's even better than you don't need to think about anybody else. And I remember I was uh, listening to this show that talked about how to deal with certain addictions. And in there, one of the suggestions was that if you ever feel like doing this, then imagine your mother's watching you. Right? And how you wouldn't do something like this so despicable in front of your mother. These are just human ways of focus. Just human ways of focus. That's what we're trying to use. The hadith doesn't say that. Do you see what I'm saying? These are just practical, guide, uh, practical steps that humans can relate to. So, those were all the... Um, preliminary etiquette before you start the dhikr which was to revive the tawbah the repentance to purify oneself physically and in state to focus entirely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do a bit of istighfar and salawat on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to face the qibla and then to think that the shaykh is also present watching you now let's move on to the adhkar which 
at the time of doing the dhikr. So when we start doing the dhikr, what are the adhkar and the etiquette that need to be observed? These are what he calls the adabul musahaba. The adabs that you should take as companion with you when on your journey in your dhikr. First and foremost, there's no way that you can do dhikr. I mean, this is, he says, right from the beginning. And I think this is why most of us don't really benefit as much, right? Is because when we do the dhikr, even if we're sitting doing subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, some simple adhkar like that, we don't focus on the meaning. So he says, number one, you must keep the meaning in mind, the general meaning in mind, la ilaha illallah, for example, right? There is no God except Allah. It may be difficult for you to think there is no God except Allah. That, 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 in that kind of detail to think that might be a bit difficult, but to have in mind generally that there's only Allah, there's only Allah. That's, that would be a general meaning, right? Keep the general meaning in mind. You start off like that. Number two, now this is what I call a true scholar. Because there's very few scholars who would point these point, the, the following points out, right? You can tell that he's well-rounded. Because he says, وَأَنْ يُحَقِّقَ الْهَمْزَ Make sure that the hamza is said properly. So don't say, La ilaha, La ilaha. That's like, La ilaha. That's what a lot of people do. Say, La ilaha. The hamza. That's what you call, تَحْقِيقُ الْهَمْزَ أَلْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Al. Not Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. The Hamza, which is this Alif here, Hamza, the other name of a Hamza is a sudden sound. What you call in Urdu a Jatka. It says, uh. If you don't do uh, your Hamza is not done. Then you've done half an Alif. Because Alif, Alif is essentially just a stretch. Ah, that's an Alif. But the uh at the beginning is a Hamza. Qala, that's an Alif. I know generally when we're taught, we're, read, we're, we're taught Alif Fatha A, but that's actually wrong. It's actually Hamza. That's not an Alif. Alif doesn't have a sound except a prolonging sound. It's a Madda, technically speaking. So Qala, Sawama, that A, 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 that's an Alif. Once you put a Fatha Kasa or Dhamma on it, that becomes a Hamza, even though you call it, you, you, it looks like an Alif. Because a Hamza cannot stand on its own, it's too weak of a letter. So it has to come with an alif, waw or ya when it's written. If that confuses you, don't worry about it too much. The main thing is when it says la i, make sure you say i as opposed to la ilaha. And then illallah, illallah. So not anything else. Number one. Number two, wayamuddu alifu la. The la, which has an alif in there, lam alif, la, don't compromise on the alif. So don't say la ilaha, la ilaha. That means you haven't stretched it. The minimum stretch needs to be one finger. So la ilaha, la ilaha. A lot of people have this issue because of the tongues that we speak with. Because of the languages that are our mother tongues generally. It's some, some mother tongues don't stretch too many things. So when they read, they cut it short. Because they, 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 they haven't observed the laws of tajweed. To get the best out of your dhikr, make sure that you also say La ilaha, not La ilaha. Maddan mutawasitan, but don't stretch it like La ilaha, that's going overboard now. So not La ilaha and not La ilaha, but La ilaha, La ilaha, it's a very natural sound. La ilaha. وَيَفْتَحُ هَاءُ إِلَهُ وَيَفْتَحَ هَاءَ إِلَهُ 
La ilaha. A lot of people when they're doing it fast because you're expected that when you're going to do dhikr of a word many times you're going to probably start chewing some of the letters. Some of them are going to become what they call assimilated, right? Or half, uh, you can say, just eaten up. La, so la ilaha, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah. You, you can't see, say, hear it properly. So la ilaha. Say the ha properly. La ilaha. La ilaha. And then he says, وَيَمُدُّ أَلِفُ اللَّهِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ That needs to be said, not إِلَّا اللَّهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ It has to be إِلَّا اللَّهِ It's got that same alif there. That needs to be stretched. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ And then he says, وَأَلِفُ إِلَهِ لَا إِلَهَ Madden Tabi'i and again La ilaha illallah and then Wayati bilha'i min Allahi and also at the end when you say La ilaha illallahu that who you don't have to say who but don't Im, don't omit the letter completely because you know if you're saying it fast what are you going to say La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah La, la, la ilaha illallah La that ha doesn't sound you're literally taking out a letter from somebody's name from Allah's name. What's your name, brother? Yunus. Yunus. Say Yunus. It just doesn't sound right. So likewise, La ilaha illallah. Say the ha at the end. La ilaha illallah. I, I mentioned the Sami Allah Huliman Hamidah. A lot of people, when they lead prayer, they don't understand that there's a ha at the end of that Hamidahu. It's actually Hamidahu. Who listened, who praised him. Hamidahu. Most people, when they stop on there, just say Hamidah. No, they say Hamidah. Without the ha at the end. In fact, some people add an alif there, Hamidah. Which is completely wrong. Sami Allah Huliman Hamidah. You have to say da. Go into the ha and stop at the ha. Hamidah. La ilaha illallah. Let's practice a few, a few times. Let's get this right. La ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah make sure you're doing that ha at the end because really it's la ilaha illallah but because you stop you make a walk just like alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen is actually alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen if you look in the Quran, it'll be a fatha there. So if you carry on, you say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. But when you stop, you make it a sukoon. So likewise here, you're making a sukoon as well. Okay, number two. Well, number three rather. وَأَنْ يَذْكُرْ بِهِمَّةٍ وَقُوَّةٍ When you do your dhikr, it shouldn't be in this lazy style. The dhikr needs to be done with him, with a lot of resolution. I want something out of this. There needs to be focus in the dhikr. And waquwa and strength. So it's not a lazy activity that, oh, let me do some dhikr and I'll fall asleep. Because mashallah, sometimes Allah does put noam and sina. Allah does put some sleep on a person. When, they, when, they in, when you have a nice sleep sometimes, alhamdulillah, that's fine. But that shouldn't be the intention. The intention is that we do it with a lot of aspiration, a lot of, uh, lot of ambition, and a lot of strength. 
ذكره رغبة في مرضات الله ومحبته وامتثالا لأمره لا رياء ولا لسمعة ولا لأمر دنيوي أو أخروي This is our motivation in our remembrance He says his dhikr should be The dhikr that you do should be out of Complete desire For the satisfaction of Allah and his love that's why we do the dhikr. We want to be, we don't want to say, you know, we don't want to tell somebody we did dhikr. That's why we're doing it. It's not because so we can tell our shaykh that we've done our dhikr, right? It's not because I can just feel good about it, although you probably will feel good. The whole point is that I want to satisfy Allah. I want to earn the satisfaction and the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why I take his name. You know, when you're with somebody who you're supposed to love and you keep taking their name, they're going to get really excited. Right? They mentioned me three times. Right? A student who is looking for some kind of affection from their teacher, and the teacher mentions a particular student three times, that student is going to get really excited. That child, that, that student is going to get really, really, and if, if, you, if you take everybody's name and not that particular child's name, that child is going to get very upset. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you take his name in abundance, then we earn the love, of, the love and the satisfaction of Allah. And we also do it because he's commanded us to do it. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu thkurullaha dhikran kathira. Walladheena amanu ashaddu hubban lillah. Wadhkur isma rabbik. These are all commands in the Quran. Do abundant dhikr of Allah. Do abundant. Remember Allah abundantly. So that's why we're doing it. We're saying we're doing it because we want and we want your mahabba and not because we want to show somebody, not because we want our name to be mentioned, not for any other dunyawi reason and not for any other akhirah reason either. We don't want to do it for paradise. We're not doing it to avoid hell. We're doing it for the love of Allah. A lot of people get confused at that point, but that's just a higher position. If you can't focus on the satisfaction of Allah and you're just doing it for paradise, well, that's fine. But eventually, we need to move to wanting to do it purely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Purely for the sake of His satisfaction and to fulfill the command that He's given us. The next point he says is, To remove anything else from your heart. So basically, no distractions. To have nobody else, no alterities, no nothing else competing in the heart, focused entirely on Allah. Because if you're considering anything else in your mind while doing your dhikr, it's going to sever you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You won't be able to focus on Allah because this is all about the mind. It's not just about the words anymore. It's about the mind and heart as well. وَلَوْلَا أَنَّ لِلشَّيْخِ مُدْخَلًا فِي السَّيْرِ مَا سَوَّغُوا لَهُ مُلَاحَظَةً فِي حَالِ الْبِدَايَةِ Now, if it wasn't because thinking about your shaykh in the beginning, when you started off, was beneficial and kind of got you focused, it would not be halal to think about your shaykh either. The only reason you're allowed to think that your shaykh is watching you at the beginning is to just get you in focus, get you in the mode and get you into that position that's it otherwise it would not have been allowed to do that because that's also besides Allah even though you expect that your shaykh is helping you to get to Allah he is still a means just like everything else is a means and your entire focus needs to be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now 
And the next point he says is The best position to sit in is the tashahud position For dhikr as well Of course, he then says Unless you're tired, you've got knee problem You're just tired Then sit cross-legged Sit cross-legged if you have to Otherwise, tashahud is the most adab position Has the greatest etiquette The next point he says is Close your eyes Shut your eyes. That will help you. I mean, because half the distraction is all the colors around us. I mean, look at the. I mean, if I look around here and I'm doing thicker looking around here, mashallah, all of those books, they provide such a stimulation. There's the red ones, there's the black ones, there's the gold, there's the silver, there's the green, you know? And then the fact that they're books and you're interested in books, right? Hey, I haven't read that one yet. I need to oh, look, I've had that one for so long. I need to, oh, we, we're still missing the other book. There's just going to be so much distraction through your eyes. That's why it's allowed. It's better. In fact, he says it's an adab. Close your eyes and do it. In fact, he goes above that. Forget the, uh, forget the distraction aspect of it. He says that closing the eyes actually helps to illuminate the heart. It actually helps to illuminate the heart. Because there's just one less satellite, there's just one less window open. Right? And then he says, Now this is very specific to particular orders. He, uh, as far as I know, the Shaykh was from the Khalwatiya Tariqah, right? which is primarily in Egypt, you find them. Right? There's, a, uh, there's a Khalwatiya mosque that I went past, I remember. So he seems to be from there. They do a similar dhikr, it seems, to the Chishti dhikr, which is La ilaha illallah. So that's why he's saying here that you start with the La towards your right side. So you say La ilaha, and then he says Wayarji'u bi ilah. Actually, he says you start La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. The Chishtis do it a bit different. They say La ilaha. So it's like you're throwing all the gods behind you. There is no God except Allah. That's what you're saying. There is no God except Allah. Remember, this is all based on tajruba. This is just an effective way of doing it. It's not necessary to do it this way. But he found this to be effective. And then he says, you come back. Right? La ilaha illallah. Whereas the Chishtis say La ilaha, then illallah. So it's like you're hitting it into the heart. To enter it into the heart. And because you're not considering that part a worship, it's completely fine. You can't even call that a bid'ah, a shari'i bid'ah. Because your dhikr is actually la ilaha illallah, which is from the sunnah. It's just, if somebody tells you that I like to sit reading Quran, you know, on that particular sofa of mine, I'm not going to say, hey, that's a bid'ah because you're doing an ibadah. There are some shallow people out there who unfortunately reduce all of these things to bid'ah. Right? The Prophet didn't sit on a sofa. He probably sat on a reed mat or on the sand. So why don't you do that as well if that's the case? We just find it comfortable in some places. You know, I, some people they find praying salat in a particular corner of the masjid comfortable. Alhamdulillah, blessed be you. These are just human aspects that are just enhances for what we're, the objective is, which is the la ilaha illallah. وَيَخْتِمْ Allah جِهَةَ الْيَسَارِ مُشِيرًا إِلَىٰ قَلْبِهِ So he says you end with Allah indicating towards your heart. So you start la ilaha or la ilaha illallah so you finish off with the Allah towards your heart this is of course if you're doing it loudly if you're doing dhikr silently 
then you're going to be focused directly on your heart anyway, generally speaking, because your silent dhikr has to come from the heart. So your best bet, even when you're doing silent dhikr, the most effective way just out of practical experience is to keep your head as close to your heart as possible. Because the less distance there is, like if you're up there and you're trying to think from your heart, it, it just gets difficult. Just humanly, if you're, if you're closer to your heart looking down, you can probably focus on your heart more. It's just easier, that's what it is. Of course, if you can do it otherwise, alhamdulillah, that's fine. And then he says, فَإِذَا أَرَادَ خَتْمَ الذِّكْرِ خَتَمَهُ بِمُحَمَّدٍ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ When you want to end your dhikr then, then you end up with Muhammadur Rasulullah. So this is obviously a regimen of La ilaha illallah, dhikr of La ilaha illallah. You keep saying La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah in the way that he's saying, right? Or however you say it, however you're used to, just sit and say La ilaha illallah, 100 times, 200 times, 300 times, whatever. At the end then, end, always end with Muhammadur Rasulullah. Right? Always ended with Muhammadur Rasulullah. So you don't do dhikr of Muhammadur Rasulullah over and over again. You only do La ilaha illallah and then you say Muhammadur Rasulullah at the end. That's what the Chishtis do as well. They have a, a tasbih of La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah, and then they say Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallam tasliman kathiran kathiran. Remember he was saying that make sure you, everything is right in terms of your words. You know when you do it often then sometimes you start messing up the words. So I've heard people saying La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. Because they're trying to make an effort. But then it's becoming like a ha. That's why he's saying keep it La ilaha illallah. Because it's completely fine to, it's, it's possible to say illallah. You don't have to say illallah, illallah. Of course, when, if you start saying Hillallah and people listen to you, they're going to think, what are you saying? When you say, say Illallah, then you know that you're just doing it with proper tajweed. And it's just La ilaha illallah. Okay, so those were the, the adab when you're doing the dhikr. Number one, you keep the meaning in mind. He says uh, the meaning of it in general in mind. Because as I said, if you try to keep the meaning in detail then you're going to get lost in the wording. Right? You won't be focused on the dhikr. You say, La ilaha illallah. You're going to get lost in that. So the idea is that you keep the meaning in general in mind that this is what the dhikr is about. And then you do the tajweed properly. Not the tajweed, but you at least read the letters correctly. That's not even tajweed. That's just basic Arabic pronunciation to get the best out of it. Right? You're not even doing ghunnas here or muds. We're just talking about just the proper way of saying it. That's all. And number three, he's saying that your whole focus needs to be the satisfaction, love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and emulating his command. Not to show anybody, not for any other purpose. Whether that be dunyawi or ukhrawi purpose. And then the next one was that you try to keep everything else out of your heart because anything is going, everything else is going to distract you. And uh, he mentioned the point there that if thinking about your shaykh wasn't just to help you get focused, that would have been wrong as well to think of in the beginning. And then you sit like you do in tashahud, otherwise sit in uh, cross-legged if you have to, uh, close your eyes because that's more effective for the heart, and start with the la towards the right, and end with Allah at your heart uh, towards, to the left. And when you finish, then say, Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
Now he's got a few adab of uh, after you finish now. Now you finish, You've, you are going to sit and do it for half an hour. You're going to sit and do dhikr for 10 minutes. Or maybe you are going to do dhikr for 100 times or 500 times. Now you said Muhammad Rasulullah, now what do you do? Right. You suddenly get a call and you run and you jump and you go. That's what generally happens. Right? Because somebody's been trying to call you and you've got all these missed calls. Or you've got all these notifications that you need to check out. So here you go, I'm going to sit right here and do all of that. Don't do that. He's saying there's a, there's a finishing. Even when they say that uh, if you are exercising by biking, then you, know, you, you warm up, then you do the intense, right? And you can have it more complicated, but at the end you have a slowdown, right? You just have this um, slow period at the end, just like with everything else, just to kind of ease out of it. Likewise here, it's something similar. He says, Remain silent for a while. <clears throat> remain silent for a while and remain calm with all of your khushu. Khushu means all of your limbs are, are tranquil. So just sit there for a while after your dhikr is finished. Stop saying, stop thinking, but just, just remain tranquil. فَإِنَّ لِلذِّكْرِ وَارِدَاتِ تَرِدُ عَلَىٰ قَلْبِ الذَّاكِرِ This is a bit difficult to translate, but I translate this as because when you've done your dhikr, dhikr has these spir- creates spiritual waves upon the heart of the dhakir. I guarantee you, you can experience that. When you've sat and done dhikr for a while, and you just sit for a while after you finish dhikr, you will see that the waves will wash over you. You can call these vibes, you can call these waves, you can call these winds, barakats, whatever. There's a feeling you get. Because when you're remembering Allah, it's inspired something. It's created something. We can't see it. But you benefit from that. That's why the Prophet ﷺ sat at least for Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam and the three istighfar when he finished his prayer. You don't just r- jump you know, as soon as you say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. <coughs> So what he said is that there's a spiritual waves that come over the heart of the dhakir. And wala الْوَارِدُ مِنَ الْقَلْبِ إِلَّا بِذَلِكِ There's no way that those spiritual waves will be able to benefit your heart except if you stay tranquil right now. Otherwise you'll be distracted. You're not letting your heart, you're not opening up your heart to it. You're closing your heart. فَإِنْ كَانَ الْوَارِدُ وَارِدَ زُهْدٍ وَجَبَتْ تَمَهُّلْ حَتَّى if this warid, you're going to get this, this spiritual wave is going to have different benefits. He said, if it is a wave of zuhd, where you feel now cut away from the world and focused on Allah, then it's necessary for you to give it time. Right? To give it time until it can find its place in the heart and benefit you. Otherwise, sometimes we're doing dhikr and we're walking away and we're not allowing the full benefits to be reaped. He says, فَيَسْتَوِي عِنْدَهُ الدُّنْيَا Right? He says, if you do get the benefit of this spiritual wave of zuhd after you finish, then, and you let it take over your heart, then the world will drop in your sight. Everything of the world will become the same for you. Your attachment to the world will diminish. أَقْبَلَتْ أَمْ أَدْبَرَتْ 
whether the world is coming to you or going away from you, it won't matter anymore. You will benefit like that. وَإِذَا كَانَ وَارِدَ تَوَكُّلٍ صَارَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ مُفَوِّضًا أَمْرَهُ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِ فِي كُلِّ شَيْءٍ If the spiritual wave that's coming upon you at the end is going to be one of tawakkul, of reliance in Allah, then basically you will benefit by now consigning all your matters to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in everything. That will be the blessing of it at the end. Did we even know about this stuff? We, we thought, okay, we'll do dhikr and we'll finish. This is all additional things that are matters of experience that they find, that this is some of the benefits. And then he says, وَإِن كَانَ وَارِدَ sabrin." If the spiritual benefit at the end of your dhikr is of patience, then صَارَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ لَا يَنْعَزِجُ مِنْ تَفَاقُمِ الْأَهْوَالِ After that, nothing will bother you. Even the worst states that may come over you, you'll have perseverance and patience. That's what you get. And every time we do dhikr, we're wasting this last moment. It's like we just walk away. We don't take the last prize. وَهَكَذَا مِنُ الْوَارِدَاتِ He says, likewise, other waridat. Imam Ghazali just adds to this. He says that, وَلِهَذِهِ السَّكْتَةِ آدَابٌ You know, this position of silence after you finish your dhikr, this maintenance of silence is for a few moments. Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi says, this also has etiquette. You might think, where do they get this stuff from? I'll explain to you the reason, the way they get this from is from experience. For example, if you go to a master cricketer or a footballer, what they've been able to do, the reason why they're masters in football, professional, is because they have basically divided every aspect of football up and mastered every single component. Somebody like me, I don't even know how to play football properly, so I have absolutely no idea. Right, even how to manage a ball, even how to use my foot, right? But somebody taking penalties, there's an art of doing that, right? Dribbling, right? Setting somebody up, there is a particular art with every one of these things. And those who are good at this, Muhammad Salah, whatever, you know, and these other guys, they've mastered it. They've mastered every single smaller, part, smaller component of that. So dribbling is one component of football, but dribbling in itself has then sub-components of exactly what you do depending on what's going on. And this is exactly what these people are talking about. And people who have absolutely no idea about dhikr, they're going to say, what is he, where is he getting all this stuff from? Well, sit and do dhikr for a while and you'll see this. Try it out if you want. So he's saying that for this silent period that you stay motionless, with sukoon at the end of your dhikr he says this also has some additional adab if you want to get the most out of this muraqabatullahi ta'ala of course your focus needs to be with Allah you should be focused muraqaba raqib raqib means very closely focused actually not just focused but very closely focused on Allah wa ijra'u ma'na dhikri ala qalbi the meaning of the dhikr that you just did, like the general meaning of it, you keep that focused in your heart. Right? Keep applying that to your heart. You're not doing the dhikr anyway, you're just focusing on its meaning right now. And you're keeping all distractions out of your mind still. Nafyul khawatir. All other thoughts are out of your mind. All of your senses are still focused. Your ears are not thinking about uh, listening to anything else now. Right, and likewise, your eyes aren't roaming now. You're still, your focus is there. 
بحيث لا تتحرك منه الشعرة in such a way that not even a hair moves of your body keep make sure that not even a hair of your body moves كحال الحرة عند اصطياد الفأرة just like a cat is so still and motionless when it's about to attack its prey وأن يكتم نفسه بقدر الطاقة مرارا says also try to cease breathing for a while like hold your breath as much as you can just so there's absolute silence and motionless no movement whatsoever because you get distracted by your breath as well if there's nothing else to be distracted you'll, you'll get distracted by your heartbeat it's just the way humans are Try to do this at least three times to seven times. This holding of the breath. Until the warid, the spiritual benefit that you're getting at the end, manages to pass through all of your limbs. Like you, you are basically this wave washes over all of your body. right? And you feel the benefit of it. And don't rush to drink water or something after your dhikr. Again, this is purely, this is not in a hadith. This is purely based on experience. If you feel like water, you're really thirsty, please have some water. But he's just saying that don't even have water straight away after dhikr because he says that that will actually extinguish what the, 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 the light that you've just received from your dhikr. That's purely based on experience. But if you want to do that and it benefits you, Alhamdulillah, try it. See if that benefits you. These are masters who are speaking. So we end here. These were the adab of uh, before, while doing dhikr and after dhikr. Inshallah, if we can introduce this to our uh, dhikr regimen, we will see that inshallah, that our dhikr that we're doing will increase, I think, you know, 10, 20, 30 fold, if not more. Because I think when people do dhikr, these are the things which are missing. They think it's just the repetition of the tongue and they're missing out everything else. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakta ya dhal jalali wal ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannanu ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-zalimeen. اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Oh Allah, we ask you for your forgiveness and your mercy Oh Allah, we ask you for your blessings Oh Allah, with the coming of this month of Ramadan your blessings have begun to shower down Oh Allah, we ask you to drench us and infuse us with this mercy and this forgiveness and this blessing that is available during this month Oh Allah, do not make us of those who will be deprived do not deprive us of this mercy. O oh Allah, we know we have many sins and excesses to our name. O oh Allah, we ask you forgiveness. O oh Allah, we are in a state of fasting right now. O oh Allah, we ask you for forgiveness because we know that a state of fasting is beloved to you. And we know that you like to reward the fasting people directly. O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us the full rewards of our fast. O oh Allah, the full rewards of our fast and the worships that we do, even though they may be broken and they have many shortcomings for sure. O oh Allah, we ask that you turn to us with your mercy and you protect us and our progeny until the day of judgment from all the evils that are out there. O oh Allah, make us among those who establish your prayer. O oh Allah, make us among the guided ones. Make us the guides of the guided ones. O oh Allah, grant us 
surroundings which are conducive to your worship. O oh Allah, remove any hindrances to your worships from our life. Remove the hindrances that may be physical, the obstacles that may be physical that around us, that may be in our families, that may be in our home, in our friend circles. O oh Allah, above all, remove the hindrances from our heart and mind. O oh Allah, remove the obstacles from our heart and mind. O oh Allah, we want to be close to you, but there's something that always keeps us back from fulfilling your obligations. O oh Allah, from observing the etiquette. O oh Allah, we ask that you make this easy for us and remove these difficulties and obstacles. O oh Allah, you make us of your chosen servants. O oh Allah, every night of this month, people will be written as freed from the hellfire. O oh Allah, make us also among them. O oh Allah, grant us the op grant you've given us this opportunity, grant us the ability to take full advantage. O oh Allah, make this Ramadan better than any of our Ramadans before this. O oh Allah, draw us closer to you in this Ramadan than we've ever been before. before. And O oh Allah, make us and keep us close even after the month of Ramadan. O oh Allah, we do not want to retrogress. O oh Allah, just the way that you've kept the shaitan away from us now, keep him away from us later as well. O oh Allah, give us the immunity to be protected from the whisperings of the shaitan even after the Ramadan finishes. O oh Allah, make our life after Ramadan better than it was before the month of Ramadan. O oh Allah, those sicknesses and illnesses that we may be suffering from, both physical, spiritual, or of any other form, O oh Allah, we ask you for a cure for them. O oh Allah, help us and bless those who are sitting here and those who are listening. Do not allow us to return without being forgiven on this day of fast. O oh Allah, in this day of Ramadan, O oh Allah, truly, truly grant us company of your Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hereafter and send your abundant blessings on him. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun al mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil